These are uh, rich developers. These are donors to the Conservative Party. Um, and so we want to make sure that um, they weren't given any kind of special heads up. The damning allegations against the Ford government and the investigations into their actions over the Greenbelt. What critics and the province are saying about the issue. Good evening. We will get to that story shortly, but we start with the circumstances surrounding a troubling issue at, in a Mississauga school. A student fight caught on video has captured the attention of people all over social media and has led to allegations of a hate-motivated attack. CTV's Allison Hurst begins our newscast tonight with the details. Allison. The Peel District School Board launched an investigation into a fight between two students that happened in December. What appears to start as two students having a conversation... She's going to scream, help me, help me! ...turns to blows. CTV News is protecting the identities of the children involved. However, one of the students can be seen wearing a hijab. <laughs> this happened at Woodlands High School in December. Yeah. Still a shocker. The video has been shared widely on social media. Members of the Muslim community across the GTA are concerned this may have been an incident of Islamophobia. Students who witnessed the fight and know those involved spoke with CTV News about why it started. Basically, she was trying to defend her friend. So they started arguing because one of the girls were saying stuff to one of my friend's sisters. And she and the girl that fought the girl with the hijab, she, she got mad about that. So then she just started hitting her. Sources tell CTV News the fight started because one student was standing up for another. The school board would not confirm. In a letter sent home to parents Tuesday, the principal said, Islamophobia is unacceptable and will not be tolerated. We know the hurt and harm that words and actions can have. It's just a regular fight. There's nothing, there's no hate or anything from what, I, what I've seen. A school board spokesperson says we are aware of the incident involving students that occurred last December at Woodland Secondary School. School administration and school board officials are continuing to investigate all aspects of the matter. One thing that I do like to always stress is that uh, it is, it's important for all angles um, to, to be measured. It's important uh, for, for us to consider uh, this possibly being uh, a, an incident of hate. Uh, and if so, how do we address and how do we uh, ensure that this no longer takes place in our school systems. Muslim support groups say they are working with the PDSB to come up with a long-term anti-Islamophobia strategy. NCCM has been in conversation with both PDSB and the school board uh, and the school itself. Uh, and, and we have been working uh, to, to address this issue uh, in respect of the incident and, and, and understand uh, what exactly happened. And late this afternoon, the PDSB issued a fresh statement saying that the investigation is complete and steps are being taken to ensure student safety. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Allison. School violence also a concern for some parents in Toronto tonight. Many want to know how safe their children are after word of a stick-up style incident at an Etobicoke middle school. CTV's Janice Golding has the details. Lenore Junior Middle School in Etobicoke has about 300 students from JK to grade 8. And one of those students, a 13-year-old boy, was arrested and charged with two counts of robbery with a weapon yesterday. Things have really changed since I've gone to school. In today's society, it's, it's alarming that anything can happen at any age. This is very 
scary, very scary. In a letter to parents today, the school's principal says a student informed him that he'd been shown the cap gun in the boys' bathroom, adding, I retrieved the item immediately and confirmed it was, in fact, a toy. Through my initial investigation, it was found that more than one student witnessed the event. My priority then shifted to focusing on the impacted students, ensuring they were supported. The principal also says he didn't immediately contact police because he'd already confiscated the toy gun and he was initially focused on collecting all the correct information from everyone involved. Given the alleged incident occurred just minutes before school was dismissed, this also means there was no school lockdown. Toronto police allege there were actually two separate incidents with a suspect pointing what appeared to be a gun at students and making a demand for money. What kind of circumstances would cause a young person even to bring a replica gun to school? Because, you know, if you think of how badly that could have ended. It has been a very violent year in Toronto schools. In fact, a recent report by the TDSB indicates Toronto's public board is on track toward having its most violent year on record if trends continue as they are. It's very concerning. Scary stuff. You know, our kids should be uh, doing better things and it's very sad to hear. The education minister says the premier is calling for serious bail reform to get at the root cause of these issues, adding they're increasing mental health supports and after-school programs for vulnerable children. I think what's important is that we are working together uh, to reduce the risks to kids and to staff and to make sure that our schools are safe. Just last week, a gun was fired inside a bathroom at East York Alternative High School. And on Halloween, an 18-year-old was shot to death outside Woburn Collegiate. Meanwhile, a grade 12 student was stabbed and critically injured at Birchmount Park Collegiate two weeks later. Janice Golding, CTV News. Can you dig it? Tunneling for the Scarborough Subway Extension finally begins nine years after approval. But will the project's timeline stay on track? That's coming up. Toronto police are investigating what they describe as a hate-motivated assault at Bloor Young Station. Police have released this image of a man wanted for the attack. They say it happened at 8.30 this morning. The suspect allegedly struck someone on the head, knocking off the religious head covering. Police also say the man made derogatory comments toward the victim before fleeing the station. The suspect's described as wearing a black jacket, blue hat, and carrying a black bag. Anyone with information is asked to contact police. Toronto police are also asking for the public's help investigating another concerning incident on the TTC. This man is accused of sexually assaulting a woman on a bus Friday night. It happened near Eglinton Avenue East and Victoria Park. Police believe there could be other victims. There's a new development in the province's plans to build more housing across the province. There will be not one, but two investigations into the Ford government and what some critics say is very curious timing involving protected lands. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us with the details. Siobhan. Michelle, for months, political opponents and environmentalists have been saying the way that this Greenbelt plan rolled out stinks. Now these two independent investigators are going to look into whether they may have a point, and it's proving that this issue won't die down for the government anytime soon. The government's decision to open up 7,400 hectares of the Greenbelt to build homes is now the subject of two investigations. A big part of this is about, is about shining some light. Uh, into some dark corners. At the request of the NDP, the Integrity Commissioner will examine whether the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing broke ethics rules. The government has been dogged by questions about whether developers got a heads up on greenbelt changes. The Premier and Housing Minister say no. But protected lands were snatched up not long before the changes were announced. When we submitted our request, we certainly felt there was a strong case to be made. 
um, a larger body of evidence with regard to the minister and uh, and his former staff. The integrity commissioner shut down a request by the Greens to look at the premier too. These land deals don't pass the smell test. They need to be investigated because the premier is not being open, transparent and honest with the people of Ontario. The integrity commissioner says it's entirely possible that someone may have alerted landowners. But David Wake adds that there is no evidence that either the premier or the minister advanced their private interest with the Greenbelt changes. That point is being seized upon by Minister Steve Clark's office. A spokesperson writes in part... The minister also looks forward to being cleared of any wrongdoing at the conclusion of the investigation. But the commissioner and opposition note there is more to consider. This is about whether or not um, anybody else um, would have uh, also, any other person may have benefited. If the commissioner finds Clark broke ethics rules, it would be up to the legislature to impose a penalty. Ontario's Auditor General is also digging into the Greenbelt plan following up on a request from all three opposition parties to examine its financial and environmental effects. What we want to know is whether the decisions that were made um, now really are a loss to Ontarians. The government says it will cooperate and share more on its plan to build 50,000 homes on former Greenbelt lands. The Auditor General intends to issue her report later this year. Still up in the air is the possibility of an OPP probe. The anti-rackets branch is still conducting a review of complaints about the Greenbelt plan, and there's no timeline for them to make a decision on whether or not to launch a full investigation. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Now to the aftermath of a terrible crash along the QEW that sent two people to hospital and shut down the highway for a stretch of the day. As CTV's John Musselman explains, experts say the crash was avoidable and one is calling on the government to take action. It was a devastating crash that forced the closure of all Toronto-bound lanes of the QEW near Beamsville. OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt says it happened around 12.30 this morning when a transport truck slammed into a road maintenance safety blocker truck. There's actually road maintenance crews that were actually filling potholes in the left lane uh, you know, along the QEW Toronto bound approaching Ontario Street, Beamsville. Uh, there was uh, blocker trucks and vehicles protecting the scene in the left lane and the middle lane. And around 1230, a transport truck plowed into the back of that last uh, sign truck. The 22-year-old driver of the transport truck was taken to hospital with life-threatening injuries. A 39-year-old road worker was also injured. She was taken to hospital with serious injuries. The crash caused major traffic backups on local service roads when the highway was shut down. 7th Street all the way here was two hours. Oh, my God. Personally, I've been three hours down the lake. How long? Three hours. Three hours? My, by myself, I've been three hours there. Maybe an hour. hour? You've got all of these component parts involved in bringing a tractor trailer to a stop. The crash has also raised questions about why the transport truck driver didn't see the flashing lights and the safety blocker truck. Brian Patterson is with the Ontario Safety League. His organization trains many of the road crews and he says in most cases motorists are going too fast in work zones and they aren't paying attention. You've got a preventable crash here that has uh, changed the lives of a do a half a dozen people and realistically is completely preventable unless there's some other evidence that nobody's seen. But the evidence presented today tells me preventable. Patterson says today's crash has prompted him to draft a letter to the chief medical officer of health in Ontario. 
Patterson is requesting the coroner be directed to hold an inquest into what he claims to be a significant increase in the number of truck-related crashes on area highways in the past five years. The coroner is uniquely positioned to look at both data uh, and uh, evidence, and uh, so not this case in particular, but all of the cases that we've seen that have disrupted roadways, caused significant damage, whether it's a dump truck with its box up or whether it's someone driving through a, a, a secure zone or hitting somebody on the highway. Patterson believes driver training needs to improve. The cause of today's crash remains under investigation. The Toronto-bound QEW was closed for nearly 12 hours. It reopened just before noon. John Musselman, CTV News in Beamsville. And here's a live look at the city right now, high above Withrow Park in Riverdale. Very comfortable day for a mid-January skate, but that's about to change again. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay. Yeah, Nathan, we have some active weather on the way. It's quite comfortable right now. All is calm tonight. We made it to a high of six degrees downtown Toronto. It's still four at this hour, but there is a, another freezing rain warning in effect for the GTA, our second one this week. And then it's a winter weather travel advisory for areas to the north and to the east. That's more so warning of some snow that's headed our way too. Again, not much to show you on the current satellite and radar. Here's what's coming though. Our second call Colorado low of the week and what we can expect with this one four different types of precipitation potentially during the daytime hours tomorrow there's a bit of a breakdown we have a full look at your weather forecast coming up for now though Michelle I'll send it over to you thank you Lindsay two suspects accused in the murder of OPP constable Greg Perchala have had their cases put over until next month 25 year old Randall McKenzie and 30 year old Brandy Stewart Sperry are each facing a charge of first degree murder they're accused of ambushing Perchala on December 28th when the 28 year old officer was shot and killed while responding to a call for a vehicle in a ditch near Hagersville the accused are expected back in court February 21st and the case of a man accused in the death of 58-year-old Mohammed Aslam Zafis has been put over until next month. Zafis was fatally stabbed outside a mosque in Rexdale in September of 2020. Police say he did not know his attacker. The suspect is set to return to court on February 13th. To a CTV News investigation now, an anti-theft device mandated for new Canadian vehicles once made them all but impossible to steal. Now it's obsolete as thieves with new technology bypass it in seconds. As John Woodward reports, drivers are coming up with their own solutions. This view from a neighbor's security camera was the last Giovanni Cristofanilli saw of his rented Ram truck. Yeah, we will look outside the window and the truck was not there. Like, uh, it's a little bit uh, strange uh, Christmas Eve. So, <laughs> Merry Christmas, basically. Gone with many of his possessions, including a stroller for his son, Liam. I can't understand. It's a brand new car. That new Ram, vulnerable, despite a federal rule that requires every new vehicle to have an immobilizer, which after 2007 was part of an incredible reduction in auto theft. Every vehicle now that is manufactured has an immobilizer, which makes it more difficult to steal, almost to the point where you have to have keys to be able to steal the vehicle. Unfortunately, that's the loophole the thieves found by using technology to trick your car into thinking the key is in the vehicle. Through relay attacks, boosting your key's signal, or cloning the owner's key to a dummy fob controlled by the thief. The owner's keys may be nowhere near the car. But using these tricks, the thieves can appear to have the owner's key inside the car. That allows them to defeat the immobilizer and start the car. 
The result? Theft is skyrocketing again. Every day in 2023, there have been 32 cars stolen in Toronto, 22 a day in Peel, more than double just two years ago. New technology is easy to hack in. Mechanic Cameron Malik at KNN Auto Sound and Security says the fob-based immobilizer is effectively obsolete and it's better to add other devices to the car, even secret switches that must be flipped to start it. Shut down the fuel, maybe shut down the ignition, maybe shut down the fuel pump, so the vehicle will just crank. It won't start. You're not going nowhere. In a statement, the Federal Transport Ministry says it has no specific plans to mandate another anti-theft device. The OPP did track down Christopher Nilly's car in a parking lot on the Quebec border, likely en route to being sold overseas by organized criminals. Christopher Nilly saying he'd love to sacrifice some convenience for security because it's much worse to not have a car at all. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. There's a new construction project carving its way underneath Scarborough tonight. And it includes a Bowie-themed star, but it is not digging for life on Mars. CTV's Natalie Johnson joins us now to explain what's going on. Natalie. Hi, Michelle. We're talking about a tunnel boring machine that has been nicknamed Diggy Scardust, and it is now officially on the move, carving out the path for the Scarborough subway extension, a sign of progress for all the commuters who have long been waiting for better transit in this part of the city. From the surface, you can't quite see it. But deep down beneath the ground, a massive boring machine is tunneling below Shepherd and McCowan and heading south. It's been a long time coming. Subway so will be very beneficial. The tunneling is the next big step in the construction of the Scarborough subway extension. The 2,000-ton boring machine will churn through about 10 meters of earth each day, heading 7.8 kilometers down to Kennedy Station. In the nighttime, we could really feel the ground shaking, and um, sometimes we'd hear whatever was like digging to get underground. It has been more than nine years since the extension was initially approved by City Hall, and the design of the line has been the subject of numerous debates. The final version, though, will feature three stops, Shepherd, Scarborough Centre and Lawrence. It is set to be complete by 2030, but the aging Scarborough RT will be decommissioned at the end of this year. People are going to be taking replacement shuttle buses for at least seven years, and they will take at least 15 minutes longer in each direction. The TTC says it's working on a plan to create priority and queue jump lanes for the buses that will replace the RT until a dedicated busway can be built along the RT's path. The RT obviously is, you know, it's, it's, it's a small train. It can run more people than a bus can. So we have to compensate for that loss of capacity with additional bus service. Scarborough commuters hoping they are not left in the lurch while the subway is being built. Scarborough's way overdue for some good transit. Transit that is now one step closer to being ready to ride. The TTC has not yet decided what specific date it will decommission the RT and move all of those riders onto buses. Reporting live in Scarborough, I'm Natalie Johnson. Nathan, over to you. All right, thanks, Natalie. Call it a comeback. Zellers is opening 25 new stores across the country this spring. The company's plan to compete in the new retail landscape the second time around. That's coming up. 
It could soon be easier to take transit between Peel and York regions if a new proposal from Metrolinx becomes reality. The agency is outlining plans for a bus rapid transit line between Brampton and Vaughan Metropolitan Center. Like similar routes, dedicated lanes would be built so vehicles aren't stuck in regular traffic and ride times are shorter. Metrolinx is planning to share more detail and gather public feedback on the proposal starting next week. The former president of one of the province's biggest unions is responding to allegations he improperly used union money. Warren Smokey Thomas was named in a lawsuit filed by the Ontario Public Service Employees Union. It seeks nearly $6 million. The union alleges was unlawfully transferred to Thomas and two other former executives. The legal team for Thomas, writing in part, Opsu Seppo released to the media a statement of claim naming Warren Smokey Thomas and others that was riddled with errors, falsehoods, and untrue allegations. Mr. Thomas rejects the claim against him and intends to defend his good name. New data tonight suggests people of color in Canada are generally more likely than their white counterparts to earn a university degree, but less likely to find a well-paying job. Statistics Canada says two years after graduating, BIPOC Canadians reported lower job earnings as well as lower rates of unionization and pension plan coverage. Racialized women with university degrees earned an average income of $45,700 a year. Non-racialized and non-Indigenous women made an average of $47,800 annually. Racialized men earned $51,600, while non-racialized and non-Indigenous men made $54,100 annually. The findings were based on data from the 2021 and 2016 censuses. Ukraine's president is calling it a terrible tragedy. An investigation has been ordered following a deadly helicopter crash on the outskirts of Kyiv today. It happened on a day the Canadian government announced it is sending Ukraine 200 armored personnel carriers built in the GTA. CTV's Danielle Hamamjin reports. This was the defense minister's first trip to Ukraine since the war began, and she came delivering the news that Canada was donating another 200 armored vehicles to Ukraine. These are Senator Armored Personnel Carriers made by a company in Mississauga. They'll be delivered, her office says, in a matter of months. The price tag on this donation, $90 million. Not new money, but part of $500 million in military aid for Ukraine, announced by Prime Minister Trudeau back in November. Ukraine, of course, has to show gratitude, and it did today. But what it really wants and what it really needs, it says, are tanks. A decision by Western allies might come later in the week when defense ministers meet in Germany. But for now, Minister Anand says Ottawa is responding to a specific request by Ukrainian officials by sending lighter armored vehicles. These vehicles also allow for the safe transportation of personnel and equipment and medical evacuations also. They are equipped with smart tech and that helps soldiers to detect threats early. The armor will also help shield troops when they're unable to avoid danger. Now, just 20 minutes east of the minister's meeting today was the site of a tragic crash involving a high-ranking official and children going to nursery. A chopper carrying the interior minister and his deputy who were on their way to Kharkiv in the east of the country crashed early this morning near apartment buildings and a nursery where parents were dropping off their little ones. It's unclear what caused the crash, if it was related to the war or simply an accident. 
It was foggy this morning. The buildings aren't lit due to energy being preserved because of so many strikes on power infrastructure. And so what we do know is that all nine people on board died, as well as at least three children. So many more are in hospital with injuries. Danielle Hamamjan, CTV News in Kyiv. In addition to more military aid, Ottawa is also making a move on the diplomatic front. The foreign affairs minister has summoned Russia's ambassador to Canada. If my officials are summoning Russia's ambassador to Canada to make clear we do not accept the sheer brutality of Russia's recent attacks against civilians in Dnipro and to condemn face to face the anti-Semitic comments made by Russia's minister there's no doubt that President Putin is a war criminal. And for Putin and his oligarchs, there will be nowhere to hide. Melanie Jolie announced the decision following a meeting in Toronto today with her British counterpart. James Cleverly is seeking to bolster support for Ukraine during his visit here and to the United States. Sorry, folks. Meanwhile, teams of experts are being sent to all four of Ukraine's nuclear power plants. The International Atomic Energy Agency says the move is intended to reduce the risk of accidents as the war rages on. The deployment was requested by Ukraine, and the experts will remain as long as the government staff wants them there. The IAEA already has a permanent presence at Ukraine's and Europe's largest nuclear plant in Zaporizhia that is held by Russian forces. Coming up, it'll be the first ever in this country. The WNBA is coming north to Toronto for one game only, when fans can take in the action complete with Canadian talent. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, many people receive gift cards over the holiday season, but don't tuck them away in your wallet or desk and forget about them. Many gift cards are not allowed to expire in Ontario, but there are some that still can. I'll have my reports. That's just ahead. So a few different types of precipitation in the forecast, beginning with snow, followed by freezing rain, ice pellets, and then eventually rain. Part of the reason for the complication, the temperature once again hovering just above the freezing mark. I know what you're wondering, where is all this cold weather? Looks like it's coming in the long range forecast. Uh, about two weeks out, we are going to be looking significantly cooler, but we'll take you through the next seven coming up and show you what's in store. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Fifteen years ago now, following many complaints from the public, the Ontario government passed legislation banning gift cards from expiring. But if you have a certain gift card tucked away in a drawer or wallet, you may want to make sure they still have value. Pat Foran explains why on Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, during the pandemic, when the economy virtually shut down, many gift cards went unused as many stores and restaurants were closed. Some people are now finding gift cards, and while most are not allowed to expire, there are some that still can. It says right on the card here, it says the perfect gift. Carola Delamatia of Brampton says her husband gave her a $250 prepaid Visa gift card for Christmas in 2019. We kind of set it aside because we thought we would use it um, to take the family out for dinner and then COVID hit. And I put it in a drawer and I completely forgot about it. Della Mattia found the gift card last October and went to a store to use it and was shocked to be told it had expired and was worthless. I think that people should be made aware that 
these cards expire and you need to use them right away and don't put them in a drawer and save them for a rainy day because they do expire. Delamatia then found out after one year a $3 service fee was deducted each month and the card had an expiry date in August of 2022. Under Ontario law, gift cards are never supposed to expire, but there are some that can. They can also have monthly maintenance charges and other fees that can reduce their value over time. Under the Ontario Gift Card Act, gift cards can expire for spas, massages, manicures, salons, or for charitable purposes. Prepaid credit cards, loyalty cards, or cards used to collect rewards are not covered by gift card rules. When CTV News contacted prepaid Visa gift cards, the Black Hawk Network, which handles the cards, said, These fees are disclosed prominently on the back of the packaging and can be seen by the consumer prior to purchasing the card. Still, after we told them about Della Mattia's situation, the company sent her a new card worth $250 that she plans to use right away. Well, I'm thrilled. I mean, I, I, I never expected that to happen. I thought once the card had expired, uh, that was it. I'm really happy. Thank you very much for all your help. And if you're holding on to gift cards, you may want to use them so you don't lose them. A study by the Retail Gift Card Association found about 4% of gift cards are never claimed, which is pure profit worth billions for stores. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. York Region's Crime Stoppers Unit is unveiling a Canada-wide initiative to protect young people from human trafficking. Our primary goal with this campaign is a key message throughout. Help prevent this from happening to you or someone you know. The project provides youth with the education and resources needed to protect themselves and those around them. Police are also asking those who suspect a young person is being trafficked to report it to Crime Stoppers anonymously. Toronto police are investigating a crash at Bathurst and Shalmar Boulevard. A vehicle slammed into a hydro pole and fire crews say there were fallen power lines along the road. No injuries were reported and the northbound and southbound lanes have reopened four hours later. But the westbound and eastbound lanes of Shalmar Boulevard are now closed because of an unrelated crash. Weather-related road conditions weren't too bad today. We don't have much in the way of sun, mm-hmm. but nothing really too bad out there. It's what's coming tomorrow that could, you know, affect plans. Right, some messy weather on the way. And this is, uh, again, the second storm this week and one of a series that are going to just keep making their way through the lower Great Lakes. We have an amplified jet stream, which is allowing storm after storm to head our way. And this one looks like it could be a little bit complicated once again. A couple of different types of precipitation in store, likely to impact the morning commute and potentially the afternoon drive as well. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Here's a look at the weather advisories that we have in place. These are, of course, issued by Environment Canada. A widespread swath of southern Ontario under a freezing rain warning. Once again, this includes the city of Toronto. We're not expecting much as far as ice buildup, and even less is expected the closer you get to the shoreline of Lake Ontario. But just keep this in mind if you do have plans 
to head out on the roads tomorrow. Meanwhile, it is a winter weather travel advisory. Areas like Midland and Orillia and over toward uh, Gananoque. This is because of ice pellet buildup, maybe about uh, five centimeters of it. And then areas further to the north and east, it's snow, maybe five to 15 centimeters of it by the time all is said and done on Friday. We can see the leading edge of this system now inching its way toward us here in southern Ontario. Timing-wise, this really gets going uh, in the morning hours. For some, it will be more so mid-morning, perhaps downtown, and then in through eastern sections of the GTA. But the snow is uh, expected to persist throughout the day tomorrow for areas further to the north and into the day on Friday. So keep an eye on the timestamp here. That's about 8.30 in the morning. You'll notice that it looks like snow between Hamilton and Niagara and then over toward downtown Toronto. Then we see things start to change. And there are going to be a couple of dry slots associated with this low, which is why the forecast continues to be complicated when it comes to uh, accumulation. But it looks as though some patchy freezing rain is expected midday. We should warm up in the afternoon just enough to see a transition to rain or drizzle in the Toronto area. But there's the heavier snow to the north. Another round of precipitation late day Thursday and overnight into Friday. And then it looks as though we're in for some scattered flurries during the daytime hours on Friday. For southwestern Ontario, this is mainly going to be a rain event. And again, for areas further to the east, this is measurable snow. Might be overdoing it a little bit for the snow in the city of Toronto, but a couple of centimeters looks possible. It's also going to be windy tomorrow. We're talking gusts upwards of 50 kilometers per hour, maybe to about 70K. Our afternoon high is one degree. Again, just uh, warm enough for it to be rain, but also cool enough for some snow to continue. Seven-day forecast looks like this. Hopefully, we'll get some sunny breaks into Saturday. It looks calm and quiet. And then the next round of perhaps measurable snow arrives on Sunday. That's your look at the forecast. Michelle, over to you. Thanks, Lindsay. The province is announcing a $150,000 grant for the nonprofit RENA as it celebrates 50 years of community work. We obviously all have to take care of ourselves, but after that, we need to take care of each other. Thornhill MVP Laura Smith and Ontario's Education Minister Stephen Lecce congratulated the team at RENA at today's announcement for its work in offering programming and events for people living with developmental disabilities. RENA offers its services to about a thousand individuals in the Thornhill area. New Democrat Laura May Lindo stepping down later this year. The Kitchener Centre MPP will join the University of Waterloo's Department of Philosophy in July. Lindo says she wants to have more time for her family. Interim party leader Peter Tabbins thanked Lindo for her work, which included chair of the Ontario NDP Black Caucus. No word yet on when she will officially resign. Also tonight, a new tool in the arsenal of mental health supports. A fleet of mobile mental health units bringing much-needed aid to underserved communities. It's one week until Bell Let's Talk Day. Tonight, our health reporter Pauline Chan has a look at a mobile program designed to make mental health care more accessible. It's a recreational vehicle with a serious purpose. So in town, it's easy to be able to access supports for mental health or, or addictions. There are hospitals, there are clinics, there are walk-in capacities. As soon as we get into smaller communities and more remote communities, there are just no supports at all. So the Canadian Mental Health Association has recently launched a fleet of mobile mental health units. It's a pilot project to de determine what is the best way of meeting the needs of people living in remote and rural. 
The mobile program is funded by the province's Mental Health and Addictions Centre of Excellence, as well as community organizations like Bell Let's Talk. One in four Canadians have been experiencing high levels of anxiety. For Bell Let's Talk Day, I want people to realize that there is help out there, that we're doing the best we can to get help to everybody. Don't be afraid to actually reach out and ask for it. The mobile units will cover a territory that includes the counties of Northumberland, Peterborough, the city of Kawartha Lakes and the county of Halliburton. They'll operate from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 and clients need to book an appointment ahead of time. And while the vehicles are brightly marked to raise awareness, they're also sensitive about stigma. That informed our approach. So we'll go into a smaller community, but we're not necessarily going to be parking in a high visibility area. The CMHA says seniors, especially those isolated by retirement, and families are their main clients. People with, with children of various ages, where the whole family is struggling, you know, coming through, coming through the pandemic and the other concerns around affordable housing and, and, and inflation. The vehicles are even equipped with telemedicine facilities to reach as many people in need as possible. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Bell is the parent company of CTV News Toronto. The Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television has unveiled some of its honorees for this year's award ceremony. Former longtime CTV News anchor Lisa Laflamme will receive the Gordon Sinclair Award for her contributions to broadcast journalism. Catherine O'Hara will get the Academy Icon Award for her prolific TV career while Ryan Reynolds will receive the Humanitarian Award to celebrate his charity work. When the Academy's ceremony takes place in April, Simu Liu will be honoured with the Radius Award presented to a Canadian whose work is making waves globally. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. WNBA action is coming north. Basketball fans will have the first ever opportunity to catch a WNBA game in Canada, right here in Toronto. After the break, could it be a sign of more to come? Kraken cases surge. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast, a new warning as the highly contagious strain takes hold in Ontario. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. We were shocked, of course, because, you know, we heard there's the second case this year and, like, we thought we, were, we, we live in a nice, quiet neighborhood. Updating our top stories, a 13-year-old boy has been charged after allegedly pointing a replica gun at students at an Etobicoke middle school and demanding money. No injuries were reported, but the teen is facing two counts of robbery with a weapon. This is a vital piece of land that the government is... Uh, planning to destroy with no pretext really whatsoever that holds up to the slightest scrutiny. Ontario's Integrity Commissioner, as well as the Auditor General, will be opening an investigation into the Ford government's plan to develop the Greenbelt. The scope of the investigation will be determined in the coming months. A long time coming. I believe that it would be much easier for me to travel. The construction is like really um, slowing down my commute and stuff like that, but I'm glad that it's uh, getting going. Tunneling has begun for the construction of the Scarborough Subway Extension. While the line is expected to be completed by 2030, the Scarborough RT is being de decommissioned later this year. The TTC says it will add additional bus service as a replacement. On the markets, the loonie was down almost two-thirds of a cent to 74.8 U.S. Oil lost 70 cents to close at 79.48 U.S. a barrel. 
And the TSX slid 81 points to end the day at 20,376. Microsoft has joined the list of tech companies carrying out major layoffs amid fears of an economic slowdown. The company says it will cut 10,000 workers. Microsoft CEO cited a drop in customer spending on digital technology and wider economic patterns. Amazon, meantime, has begun layoffs of 18,000 employees, equaling the tech giant's largest set of job cuts. Many Canadians are having a tough time financially right now, but this country's billionaires have seen their wealth jump by a staggering 51%. Oxfam International says the select group had assets worth more than $335 billion as of November 2022. That's $1 billion more than the assets of the bottom 40% of the population. There are about 50 billionaires in Canada. The WNBA is coming to Canada, and for the first time ever, a preseason game will be played in Toronto this spring. And while basketball fans are excited to witness this historic game, many are hoping the Women's League is here to stay. CTV's Raheem Ladani has this story. There isn't much action on outdoor basketball courts in January, but women's basketball will pick up plenty of excitement this May as the WNBA comes to Canada for the first time ever. They were supposed to actually announce a preseason game back in 2020, but then COVID happened and we never saw it come to fruition. So I think that this is massive, in particular for the country, because you could tell that there is just such a big appetite. On May 13th, the Chicago Sky and Minnesota Lynx will play a preseason game at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. The number of WNBA games played outside of Canada is short. One in Mexico, one in England, and now Canada. The game could also serve as a test run, as many believe the league will soon expand north of the border. About 100 cities are on the league's radar for expansion. The league's commissioner says, I've talked about narrowing that. Toronto is certainly one of the names on the narrowed list, but we're having conversations with several potential owner groups and many markets at this point, and we're just excited to see the passion for the game in Canada. You have to think, W is one of the most beautiful spaces in which it's incredibly diverse. They're very, very vocal about the social impact that they're hoping to make. You want to find a city that just aligns with that. Extra pass to Carlton and her. The game will feature plenty of Canadian content. The Lynx roster includes Chatham, Ontario's Bridget Carlton. To Achanwa. She'll put it up and hit it. And Guelph's Natalie Achanwa. She tweeted after the announcement, hopefully just the first of many. Let's show out Toronto. Ticket information for the game will be announced at a later date. Raheem Ladani, CTV News. Lottery officials are sharing an interesting tidbit about last night's Lotto Max drawing. A single winning ticket here in Ontario claimed the $60 million prize. And get this, it happened in the same city where another jackpot winner was sold just weeks ago. Multi-platform writer Abby O'Brien has full details on the wins and where they were on our website. That's at ctvnewstoronto.ca. Also tonight, the resurrection of Zellers, the once-defunct discount retailer set to sell to Canadian consumers in a new way. But will nostalgia be enough to get cash registers ringing? Tonight, a honeymoon horror in Mexico. A woman stopped me and said, I, I, I need to tell you that your husband is dead. A Canadian couple and a dream vacation that took a violent turn. What the police report reveals later on CTV National News. And a reminder, the CTV News at 6 podcast is available as a download every weeknight. You can also listen to the newscast live on News Talk 1010.
Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. If you grew up in the 80s or 90s, you can no doubt recite the catchy jingle by heart. Once part of the fabric of Canada, Zellers is making a return. CTV's Scott Lightfoot reports on where you'll be able to find the discount retailer this spring and whether Canadians will buy in. Inside this Burlington Bay store, a blast from the past and a sign of the future, according to the iconic Canadian retailer, who announced today that Zellers is back, sort of. I think there are many people that used to frequent Zellers. When I was a kid, we used to go to Zellers all the time. I have a lot of fond memories there. It's very interesting. I mean, Canadians have a lot of time for Zellers from a nostalgia standpoint. You know, we all grew up going there with our parents, grandparents. You know, my big question is whether this is actually going to be positive in terms of profit, if it's going to really drive sales, if it's going to drive profits for HBC. Gone for a decade, the Hudson's Bay Company is bringing the Zellers brand back, not as a standalone store, but rather as what's being called an experience inside some existing Bay stores. I haven't been in the Bay in years, but uh, they also have nice things. But yeah, I'm going to check it out when it comes. Yeah, that would be great because people can get to go around to see, you know, different kind of stuff. The return was announced last year, but today the company confirmed they will open 25 Zellers locations inside Bay stores across the country. Nine of those will be here in Ontario, including Mississauga, Scarborough, Burlington and St. Catharines. They will also take Zellers into the e-commerce space with a new website for the old brand. They think it makes the news cycle. People tweet about it. They talk about it at the dinner table. But when push comes to shove, are Canadians going to spend a lot of money on it? But will the revival of one old brand be enough to help another old brand find new customers? They're not going to change their consumer habits unless Zellers can offer really good value and offer prices that are at least as good as Walmart, Dollarama, Dollar Tree, assuming they position the brand as a value brand. Uh, Canadians aren't going to give them any, any quarter here in terms of paying extra for the brand just because it has nostalgia. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. It does bring back old memories. Hopefully they'll survive this time around. We'll see. I don't know. If the lowest price really is the law, then, yeah, we'll have to see. Let's get you caught up on the weather because there's some dicey stuff tomorrow. What do we need to know? Yeah, uh, once again, we find ourselves under a freezing rain warning here in the city of Toronto, and that's not all. There's also a winter weather travel advisory for areas to our north and to our east. That's where we're expecting a little more in the way of ice pellets and also some measurable snow. Here's our system. It's our second Colorado low of the week, and we call it that because that's where the storm originated. We know that there will be impacts tomorrow morning. This is your wake-up weather, uh, mainly starting in the mid-morning, but then continuing right through the early part of the afternoon. There will be dry pockets. This is not an all-day major storm, but there could be just enough there to make for some slippery roads and dicey conditions for the afternoon commute as well. There's the rest of your seven-day forecast. It's a pretty active one, Nathan mm -hmm. and Michelle. It is. Thank you, Lindsay. And that is it for us. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National news, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.